Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance and Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. The year is 2016, and je veux manger de la chair humaine. The movie? Raw. everyone and welcome to Unspooled. Unspooled. I'm Amy Nicholson. And I'm Paul Shear, and we are back in the studio for the first time in a long time. Amy, how does it feel? I mean, I miss the snacks, to be I, honest. They've yes. purged this place of snacks, but that's fine. I just have an appetite like the movie we're going to talk about today. Oh my gosh. Amy, I'm mad at you that you made me watch this movie. It was <laughs> very hard for me to watch. This movie fucked me up. I'm going to talk about it with you. I don't want to like, I don't want to give it too much attention before we get into the main meat of the episode, but I'm mad at you. I'm mad at you for making me watch this alone. It's haunted my dreams. I've brought my children to Disney World this weekend. And as we're on lines, I'm having flashbacks to scenes from the film. It, it, it was, it's not good. I'm not in a good, I'm not in a good place. I'm not in a good place from this movie. You're telling me the first time we're locked in a small room together that you're angry at me? Yeah. Wow. Look at that. Look <laughs> at that. Um, I don't think interpersonal communication is 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 uh, overrated. Let's go back to being inside. <laughs> um, Amy, there's been so much talk uh, since our Texas Chainsaw Massacre episode. There's a great comment about how the image of the skilled slaughterhouse workers losing their trade to technology is also in Neil Gaiman's American Gods, which is uh, a book and a series that was on Stars, which I believe is on Netflix now as well. Um, and then another comment, which uh, I'm sure that Megan is not going to enjoy this episode at all. But she said, the first movie I gave up on for Hans Bould was Intolerance. The second one now is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And Megan, uh, JG, Raw might be your third. I hope it's not, but it might be your third. <laughs> I mean, we are talking about a movie that has a lot of similarities with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There's flesh eating and family dynamics. 
I think these two movies go really hand in hand. So I'm, I think this is a lovely pairing. I think to me, this is like a nice Chianti and fava beans. This oh, is wow, like a nice barbecue and a cold Lone Star beer. Well, let me ask you this. Did you read the article that came out this week about Halloween is just a ripoff? John Carpenter's Halloween, not the holiday Halloween. Halloween is a ripoff of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I did. It seems like the whole argument was just Michael Myers and Leatherface both wear masks. Yeah, I didn't think it had much to say besides a headline that makes you click it and then there was not much there. And I don't think it's the same at all, just looking at it on the surface at all. Um, it seems completely, completely different. Not even in the idea of like, if you would put Mike Myers in like the slasher film category, like I would say that there's a more of a similarity between like Mike Myers, Freddy Krueger and Jason than there is between Jason, Freddy and Mike Myers and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this a little bit in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre episode. And I had several lovely people sending me tweets and memes backing us up that there's a reading of Texas Chainsaw Massacre where like these guys going into their house, invading Leatherface's home. Yeah makes them slightly culpable. You know, they're yeah. they're invading their space. What's so terrifying about Michael Myers is he comes into your home. He comes into the suburbs. You're living a normal life. You're not doing anything differently. Right. And so Halloween is a movie about being invaded by the unknown instead of like, we're the people who did a dumb thing. Let's yeah. go this way. No, I totally, totally agree. So you're saying you hate that author and that- no. You know, <laughs> Owen and I eat pancakes no, together during No, I was Sundance. joking. Never, I was never. joking. No. We have invaded rental houses together in Park City for many years. He's lovely. I, I'd be curious to know if that was like an assignment that was given to get clicks because it felt to me like there wasn't even a full passion. It wasn't like that was something that he has, like a pet theory. Because sometimes when you see a pet theory like that, it may not be right, but you appreciate the passion behind it. I think, and I say this with all love for Owen, that Owen likes taking his pen like a knife and walking around and stalking film Twitter okay. on occasion, too. He okay. finds it fun to play the villain. Okay, I like that. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, Amy, I think without any further ado, we need to break down this movie. I'm very excited to rouler les films critiques. The year is 2016. The presidential election sets the tone for 2016, culminating in a surprise win for Donald Trump following a long and bitter campaign. Police killings of Philando Castile and Alton Sterling are caught on video. Convicted rapist Brock Turner gets just six months in jail and the UK deals with Brexit. Hulk Hogan takes down Gawker.com and in Flint, Michigan, residents are dealing with a water crisis. Pop culture is defined by fake news, Pokemon Go, Pizzagate, Harambe, Hamilton, Beyonce's Lemonade, and of female Ghostbusters, as well as the overwhelming loss of Alan Rickman, Prince, David Bowie, Gene Wilder, Muhammad Ali, Leonard Cohen, Alan Thicke, George Michael, and Carrie Fisher. The hot films are Finding Dory, Rogue One, Captain America Civil War, The Force Awakens, Suicide Squad, the original, and the film we're talking about today, Raw. Amy, tell me who's in it, who made it, what's it about, and goddamn 2016. Raw. Written and directed by Julia Ducorno. It is her first proper, proper feature, but it is her third time working with her lead actress, Garance Marlier, who she met when Garance 
was just a mere 12-year-old slip of a thing who agreed to play a girl who gets a stomach bug and begins to change into a snake and her skin starts to peel. Uh, this is the very first film that Julia ever did. That short junior, it went to Cannes and it won the Best Short Film Prize. After that, Julianne Garance made a TV movie about a bulimic that also got pretty nasty. And this is their third collaboration. It is a film about a 16-year-old vegetarian veterinary school prodigy who, during hazing, is forced to eat a raw rabbit kidney that awakens her inner cannibal. Uh, Raw is in French, but here, listen to this opening scene. It's just her drive to the vet school that will radically reshape her life, and it makes it sound like a tender coming-of-age movie, which it very much is not. Well, yeah, let's hear from her how she came up with this idea. We were thinking about um, cannibal movies that we've seen and liked. And I told him it's interesting because in cannibal movies, most of the time cannibals are referred as they. And they are filmed as they. The direction goes like they are you know, put uh, aside in the movie like they're a horde, a horde or something or a group of people that is menacing um, the, the heroes. And uh, I thought it's funny because me, when I hear they or when I see they in their direction, I'm think- thinking about like creatures from outer space or a horde of zombies or anything that uh, does not exist, you know. And I, I told Jean, it's strange because that we treat cannibals this way in cannibal movies because cannibals are real people and they do exist. It's not something that we fantasized about, that we imagined and stuff, that we created. They do exist. Cannibal movies come from some real things, you know, some real facts. And, um, and I told him if I, had to, uh, if I had to make a cannibal movie, I think I would try to make it uh, by saying I instead of they. Because I, I'm thinking since they are real people, they're real human beings, I would like to understand what's the difference between me and them and how you get to do that for the first time and cross the line where we would all have stopped, you know. And I think it's interesting to um, to uh, to see that this, the way we portray them as they is kind of a repression of, uh, of this part of humanity that is incredibly repulsive and dark, but the reason why it's so repulsive is because it's part of us, you know, it's part of all our community here on Earth, and that's why it's so scary for us to, 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 to admit that. So Ra is famous for something that Julia Ducourneau hates. Uh, when Ra premiered here in America at Midnight Madness at TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival, two people collapsed uh, and ambulances were called. And I was actually at that screening. I saw one of the people collapse. I saw the ambulances. It was such a wild, big deal that became the story of the film, which Julia does not like. Like the marketing team for a while gave out barf bags when people saw it. So let's not highlight this thing that it is famous for that she rejects. Let's highlight something else. And that is that when Raw premiered at Cannes a few months earlier, it won the Fapresky Prize. That's like this fancy international critics prize, um, where it's a jury of only of critics who show up to award a special film. In that year, it was Raw. Raw was like kind of the talk of Cannes that year. Uh, that year was, of course, May 16th, a really dismal year. And on the day that it premiered at Cannes, May 16th, 2016, the top song on the Billboard charts was Another New Wonder, who took a pretty long time to make their follow-up, which 
also happened to Julia. She just made Titan that came out this year, which will maybe come up a bit in conversation. Um, the name of the artist is Designer with two eyes. The song is Panda. And if you watch the video for Panda, it actually looks a lot like Raw. There's a lot of sound elements it has in common. And at the end, Designer changes into a panda just as our dear, dear, dear sweet girl changes into a cannibal. Panda. Panda. Panda, panda, panda. I got broads in Atlanta. She's a dolly in the family. Credit cards in the scammers. Hitting the licks in the van. Legacies, family. Wait and see, look like a panda. Going out like a Montana. Honey killers on the helmets. Legacies, family. Wait and see, panda. Pockets walk, Danny. Selling ball, candy. Man, I'm the macho like Randy. The chopper go out to for granted. Hit nigga, pull up your panda. And I also want to say, just right up at the top. Like, Julia's follow-up, Titan, came out this year, so mm-hmm. five years after Raw. And not only did it return to Cannes, she won the Palme d'Or, the very top prize at the festival. She's only the second woman to do it, and the first one to do it in basically 30 years. The last time a woman won the Palme d'Or, it was uh, Jane Campion for the piano. And Titan is out in theaters now. It is very crazy. I'm kind of nervous about sending you to see it, Paul, to be honest. No, send me. I want to see Titan. I want to see it in the comfort of my own home, though. I believe that part of the way I was able to tolerate and get through this movie was being able to really react in a in a in a physical way to everything that I was seeing in Raw because it it got me to my core. Now, while I'm mad at you. <laughs> for making me watch this movie. I love this movie. Always a comforting thing to hear when you're literally holding a knife in your hand. <laughs> well, I hold that because it helps me when I podcast. Um, it's unbelievable. This movie is unbelievable. It is, you know, I think it's mislabeled in a way because I wouldn't think of it as a horror film, right? Um, I guess the opening scene is the way I feel about the film. It is a car wreck in which I can't look away from. I am fascinated by it. I am mortified by it. I am, you know, oddly intrigued by everything that's going on. The only thing that I would say it's not, but I think this movie is, is there's like, there's something very sexual about this movie too, that I think is very interesting. And I'm not, you know, look, I'm a fan of David Cronenberg's crash, but that, that car crash for me is not going to give me that feeling. But uh, but everything else, it really, I think, is a great first image of this film because it truly is all those feelings that you feel when you see something horrible. Yeah, it's a film about appetites, mm-hmm. right? Like discovering what your appetites are as a person who is tired of eating mashed potatoes and wants to have shawarma for the first time and a burger and then maybe a body parts belonging to people that you know and love. But it's also about like the appetite of yep, sexuality. You know, it's this is a girl. I mean, let's talk about this girl that we meet, right? Yeah. Let's talk about Justine. Um, Justine is played by Grant's, uh here and she's like, I think 17 when she makes this yeah. film. But Justine, from what we know of her, she's kind of like an innocent dork, right? She seems yeah. really sweet. She is she seems like she's from a very protective, sweet family, yeah. smart kid. When she accidentally gets served a meatball, her mom gets really angry, mm-hmm. takes it back, like 
furious, but she looks ordinary. Yeah, I think that she has a posture that's even low status or everything is presented to make her seem very plain and naive and young, right? Like they definitely play that up. And then when she goes to the school, immediately her world starts to change. And I think one of the things that I was so connected with here is like, yes, the idea of cannibalism is obviously something that is a large part of this film, but it's about the changes that we go through. You said hunger, but I, I think it's the changes that we go through when we go to college, when we get away from our parents, who we become and, and what our parents hold us back from the desires that we may or may not have that are viewed as not being right or normal. Obviously it's in a completely different lens here, but that to me is the most universal thing about this movie is like you're watching this, you know, honor student become what she wants to be. Like, I mean, it's interesting too, because I think there's a part of it that she has no control over what she wants. And that, that to me is the tricky thing about the metaphor of the whole movie, because the metaphor is like, she's almost like a vampire. She needs it to live and survive. Not that she wants it. Um, And I think that that makes a little bit of that, connection hard for me because I think it takes her power out of the decision. And I, and that to me, I think lessens what I think she's trying to say. Well, I think it's closer to a kink. Okay. Right. Like, or, or is it like, like drugs? Yeah. I mean, I think of it as like the letters that I would read getting sent into Dan Savage. Okay. You know, where it's like, I really need to have my partner agree to wear diapers Right. And like, I can live if they don't, but I don't want to live if they don't. And if they don't, I'll probably have to pay somebody else to wear diapers. Is that, I feel like yes, that's kind of close. Like she, but, can, she doesn't need it. Like a, she won't die if she doesn't eat human no, flesh. No, but I believe but that the way that. that will never feel fulfilled. Right. But the way that she goes about it is like she's insatiable, which now as I'm saying it to you, feels like, oh, maybe this is more about. Maybe it's more about a drug analogy because it is, it seems more in line with that. Like you wouldn't die without drugs, but you want it and you need it. And you, you know, and she's being open to this world that makes her feel better. That makes her feel powerful that, you know, and there are elements in it that actually reminded me very much of uh, that Carrie Mulligan movie that we talked about just a little while ago. Promising Uh, Young Woman. Yeah. Um, A little bit about like like, being addicted to the thrill and the power yeah, and, the, and, and, and the fear. Yeah. And, and like, there was like this idea of, you know, not, it wasn't exactly similar, but there was something about, I think maybe that moment on the tape at the end when they have, like when they show her the videotape of like her sister, like kind of torturing her there, like this idea of what kids do to each other in college and how that can kind of maybe have repercussions or how it could affect all these people's lives. I mean, clearly this movie does, it takes some tolls on many people's lives. I mean, I think I have an issue with it being a kink because a kink would mean that kink is bad. This is bad. This is bad, but it's also good, but it's like, I don't know. Like, I mean, it it allows her to come out of her shell. Like there's a good, the drug thing is the closest I see, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it screws with you, right? Yeah. That's what what it's trying to do, right? Like it's trying to make you... You, what it's asking you to do 
is root for a cannibal, right? Right. Because you care about this girl when you meet her. You really care about Justine. The way that we see Justine even at the beginning of the film, she's so much smaller than everybody else. Mm -hmm. You know, she's really dwarfed in this, like, college atmosphere. There's this empathy that kind of gets built for her because she looks so tiny. Like, I was thinking, you know, I don't know that much about veterinary schools. I assume veterinary schools are not like this necessarily. Like, party hardy, everybody puts their fingers inside a cow, everybody's drunk all the time. Everybody's having sex with each other. It's nuts. But it does turn out that veterinary schools are a really intense thing in France, which I didn't know. Okay. So here's the deal with veterinary schools in France. There's only four of them in the entire country, right? And the only way that you can get in is you have to enter this contest. And the contest will determine whether or not you're allowed to be a vet. You only get to enter twice. And if you lose the vet contest twice, that's it. You got to find another career. What are going on with these animals in France? Why is there such a high demand for vets? (laughs) I know. I mean, but it's crazy. So like not, so if you win the contest, then you get to rank your preferred schools and everybody knows which schools are kind of the best. Got it. And then they decide for you, like which one you go to based on how smart they think you are. So it's nothing like the college system here where you're like, where can I get in or blah, 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 or I'm just going to go here. Like, I guess I'll do this. I don't care about college. Like if you want to be a vet, you've really chosen to be a vet. And and this student that we meet, the young girl, she is but one of the smartest, right? Because we, yeah. are, we have that one scene with the teacher where he's like, you, I'm going to be harder on you because you are smarter than anyone else here. And exactly. it also feels like she's a little Doogie Howser. I was wondering yeah. that. Yeah. Because like you're told that she's only 16 and I was like, wow, you really start vet school young, but you don't. I looked it up. Like okay. you start vet school at 18. So I think she is supposed to be the French veterinarian Doogie Hauser. Okay. Because, yeah, that one teacher's so mad that she's there. It's like, yeah. we don't like that you're there so early. You make everybody else feel bad. And I think she's a little bit of a jerk. You know, for not, not, okay, jerk I'm is a, a strong word. Yeah. But she's not just like, I'm a passive sweet heroine. Like, one of the only things we get to see her do is, at, like, in school, is she finishes her quiz first before everybody and the way she hands it to the teacher you know there's a little bit of like i got this i got this i can do this i'm better than everybody i think quietly for as shy as she seems she does feel superior well i think that the only thing she has to define her is her knowledge her study right like that's who she is clearly her mom towards the end we understand the reveal there the mom probably kept her in such strict parameters that that's the only way that she knows how to excel or see her self-worth. Yeah. The sister even says to her, like mom really did a number on you. Yeah. And we're not sure what that means, but it probably means there's been a little bit of nerdification, brainwashing, isolation. If I can keep her her so focused on this, she won't go over here. Right. It's like, if I keep her away from the devil, like, I mean, she is essentially trying to make sure that she never does the thing that the mom, as we find out at the end, does, you know, which is to eat flesh and and not with the intent to kill, which is interesting too. But I think this movie is also saying something about hazing and the unfairness of the way that older students pick on younger students. You know, there's definitely 
a lot of similarities you can make to fraternities here. Like in the way that you're first week at school, you're you're being for like they're they're dropping blood on them, they're making them do all this sort of stuff, party and 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 do drugs, do actual drugs and and wake up and and do all these rituals. Um and that's another part of this too. It's sort of like why can't you just be smart? Why can't you just be a nerd? Maybe that's what you want, but the idea is that they force her to be something like they awaken this thing in her. And I don't know whether or not this movie is saying that that is good or bad. Like if there was no hazing, she would still be very fulfilled doing what she loves. She, you don't get the sense that she is um, not happy, but you get the sense that she is maybe just living a little bit without excitement. You're not going to get that scene like of the, when she dresses up and kisses the mirror, like that scene, you're not going to get that scene with this girl unless she went down this path. I think. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, Eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Let's start yeah. with, like, the parties. Let's start with, like, the hazing. Because what's wild about Raw is it takes place in one week, mm-hmm. which seems insane. Like, yeah. all sorts of things happen. People live, the die, week. dogs get murdered. Things happen in this week that are just... You know, above and beyond. Like, she must be exhausted by the end of this week. Like, if like Barely sleeping. Living, yeah. yeah. She was barely sleeping. Wildest week ever. Um, but she shows up at this place. She moves in. The first thing she realizes is she's being asked to live with a boy. Mm-hmm. And the boy is like, well, the school knows that I'm gay. That's probably why they put me here. It's fine. But she's, like, kind of taken aback already that she's being put out of her comfort zone to live with a guy. And then, middle of the night... Older kids from the vet school, crazy old vet hooligans start pounding on their doors. And they, I think from the very beginning, there's kind of like this slaughterhouse vibe that made me think of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That all the kids are like herded, kind of like cattle Mm -hmm. towards the party. They make them crawl. They're like crawling on like animals on the floor. And it's this crazy kind of slow motion dark, dramatic. There's like the sound of heartbeats, yeah. you know, and then the heartbeats become like dance beats. And then the dance beats turn into this insane party that you get this tracking shot that seems to go on for like three minutes. I can't even tell with like 300 people at this party running around and like flashing their boobs and taking drugs and watching her like smaller than everybody getting kind of thrown around back and forth. The camera's, like, moving around. Sometimes smoke gets in the way and the smoke interrupts the sound. You can actually hear a sense of how much chaos is happening in the party just with the way that you hear this song kind of change in the back. Oh, 
about that party. Like, it's kind of scary, right? Like, Would that be the way that maybe a cow would feel as they're being brought to slop? <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I think that there's an element of that, too. You're being pulled from your pastoral life, mm-hmm. being herded with a bunch of other people who are confused. You're being forced into this other thing. And then you're going into this world that's loud and noisy and people are screaming and you don't know what's going on. I mean, in very in many respects, you know, we talked about Texas Chainsaw Massacre being a movie where people are like, I don't want to eat meat ever again. But in here, there is definitely an element of this is what animals feel like. They are, they don't know where they're going. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what is happening. And, and they, and all these freshmen are essentially animals, animals off to slaughter to, you know, and, and, you know, to be changed and be, you know, brought differently. The older kids are even in kind of jumpsuits, like leather face style jumpsuits. Yeah. I mean, by the way, you talked about Texas Chainsaw Massacre and I brought it back up to here, but that movie actually plays a very big part in this one because it was the first film that she ever saw at six years old. What? The director. Yeah. She said, my parents took me to a dinner party and put me in the bedroom in front of a cartoons. I changed the channels and I saw part of the movie, but I didn't know what I was looking at. And she got bored with it, changed the channel, and then... You know, she didn't really witness any of the more disturbing scenes. However, she did see it all the way through several years later as a teenager. And said this movie had this traumatic effect on her. But that's what she was kind of doing an homage to in the basement right after that party scene where uh, she meets up with her sister and the lights are going on and off. And you're seeing all the I was wondering that. There's like that crazy strobe influence of all the random body parts. I was like, this feels Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Does it feel like it just because we just watched it? No, that's in a direct homage. Wow. Yeah. So that, that movie did play a large part in her development or her connection to this. And then you can see that, like this idea of people coming into another world. I mean, Slaughterhouse, again, like we're talking about these animals and the way that they treat the animals in the film too. You know, it's interesting. It's like you're you're watching these animals be manhandled. I mean, you know, yeah. from the horse, which was actually- You're watching a horse get injected with ketamine and collapse. Yeah, and that that was something that actually happened. They allowed to put the actors around them. They, that was For yeah, real? Because I was real. like, how do you pretend to ketamine it, a horse? Yeah, it was taking place at a veterinary school and she stuck her actors in the frame. And, you know, it's, and there's something interesting about the idea there in many respects, like that horse now has no control over their own body. Yeah. Right. And that's ketamine making that horse do that. And here's a a character who is being fed these, like, whatever it is. Yeah, being fed all sorts of drugs, being fed all sorts of, like, alcohol. But the meat, like, is that what kind of gives her, like, it makes her have no control over her own body. So the idea that, you know, she also is going through these same things. We know her sister has her hand in that, you know, in that cow's stomach or, you know, up her, that cow's. Up somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's so much here about do we have control? And I think that there's a lot of this idea of like, I was thinking about it follows too in a way like, you know, what what goes on with our bodies and how how we can so quickly lose what we are and become something. Our bodies kind of take on their, their life of their own. And this idea that we're in an industry. I don't know. Like this goes back to the veterinary thing. Is it, is this a, is it's about veganism? This is about like this world where, you know, we, we would, we think it's so bizarre to do this to a human being, but yet we do this to animals all the time. All the time. It's true. And, and I mean, the, yeah, the way that they kind of film human bodies here, 
a little clinical, a little bit like you're filming the animals that you see. You know, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of like a dispassion to some of the shots. Yeah. And this idea of the human body as being animalistic, like it grows hair in weird places. You know, it it's when you're a teenager, I mean, don't you feel kind of like crazy and gross the whole time? You're like, what is happening to my body? Yeah. Why did, why are my skin, why is my skin breaking out? You're like obsessed with looking at what's weird about your body in the mirror. You know, she's like alone and kind of scratching her welts and like all of these kind of secret hidden gross things that you feel like you're the only person in the world who experiences. Yeah, I wonder if it's the idea too of being alone. You know, the first time you're out in the world and you don't have a a parent to ask, like, is this okay? Is this normal? Is this, you know, you have lost your protector, right? And like, who's there to protect you? And how do you find your own sense of protection? Like, how do you, I think that what this movie kind of builds to is she understands how to control herself to a certain degree when she has sex and she, you see she wants to bite him, but she bites herself instead. Like, so, like I think that's the most, the strongest moment of control that she kind of has. Like she's trying to get power back over her, her own life. Uh, but then her sister kind of throws her in a different direction, you know? And, and uh, Okay, wait, yeah, let's yeah. actually really break yeah. this down and get into this. Cause I think that this is important. So like we have these two sisters, right? We have her, we have her older sister, Alex, uh, mm-hmm. who's already there, played by Ella Rumpf. And I think Alex maybe seems more like the drug addict that you're talking about. Like Alex is just like really into killing and eating people. She's kind of like the crazier sister. She looks a little punk rock, yeah. kind of Joan Jettish. For we see at the beginning that she's like murdering people in the most bizarre way. She like hides at the end of this road behind a tree. And then when a car drives down that road, she jumps in front of the car, freaks him out. And they like drive into a pole and then she eats the dead bodies, which I love as a, a version of murder. Cause it's kind of like if deer were actively trying to kill us, yeah. like we could just realize that deer have been trying to actively murder us yeah. this whole time, you know? But yeah, it, it's like a type of murder where she doesn't really stab people. She's more content just to create their own murder than lick their brains. Right. But yeah, Alex has just gone all in on this. She's like, this is what I do. I eat the raw rabbit kidneys. I party. I yell at people. I'm aggressive. I do what needs to be done. And what you see Justine do is actually still try to stay good. You know, like that Justine is like, maybe I'll just eat this hamburger instead. I don't want to eat these people that you killed for me. You know, like you. I think that Justine is like making different choices than her sister. It's not like here's a whole family of cannonballs, cannon, cannonballs, cannonballs. Here's yeah. a whole family of cannonballs, and and we'd eat he, he, people together. It's not like it's not really Leatherface in that the family that eats human flesh right. together. Right, like she's together. not like you're right. She's, she's not like, like a vampire. She's not like a vampire. Like I need to do this. I think, you know, as we're kind of talking about it, I'm like it does feel like in the one week. It's a person who never drank liquor before, yeah, right, you know, or or smoked weed, but you know, it's all um, things she probably hasn't done, right. And so she, you know, that first time you get drunk, you're probably really sloppy, and then you want to do it again because it was fun, yeah. but then you feel really badly the next day, and you start to mess yeah. up stuff, and you start to say things, and you act in different ways. And here's a videotape of you being weird at a party. Like all of a sudden, we're seeing in many respects like this this mentality of. 
I think especially in college, like let's get fucked up. Like, you yeah. know, let's go out, let's party, let's go rough on our body. And then you have to kind of decide. Like her having raw chicken in her tiny dorm mini fridge reminded me Ugh. of being an 18 year old in the dorms and having somebody's older boyfriend buy me a six pack of beer. And I was like, it's hidden in my dorm fridge. And I've never yeah. felt more adult. And she's never had meat in her fridge well, her whole life because of her parents being vegetarians. But the way that you're talking about that, too, is like the reason why they go to the truck stop to to eat shawarma is because they don't want to be seen doing it like, well, I mean, it's hard to draw all the analogies, but it's all, it's sort of like, oh, the night when everyone's like, well, we're not drinking tonight. We already drank last night where, you know, and you're like, well, I need to go get a drink. And then you go out and then you're like, you feel guilty that you're out getting a drink because everyone else is not doing it. Like when it stops becoming the party like she yeah. had to do it when it wasn't the party and there was like that hidden thing of like i need to you know it's interesting to think of it now like that too and she's starting to make up her mind of where she falls on it and and i think that that's what you're kind of you're seeing her arc find maybe a balance to this thing where her sister hasn't her sister kind of is in one extreme her mom has kind of maybe found a, a way to keep herself stable, but I don't think her mom is right either, you know? Um, and well, who knows yeah. where she ends up. I don't know where, where our lead character ends up. Yeah. It's like they have been told that they are monsters and there's nothing really they can do about it, but they can make a choice of how they behave. Right. Right. And so the mom is like, Fine. One way to be a cannibal is you just find the right partner and your partner be agrees to be your secret snack. And you kind right. of torture this person that you love for the rest of their life. Like you could find happiness if you're willing to torture the person that you love forever, which is really gloomy. Yeah. It's really gloomy. And then her sister's like, I don't know. I'm just going to kill strangers and eat them. Why? Why not? It's kind of fun. Uh, and that gets her in prison. So that doesn't work either. And then... What you have here is like with Justine is like, what if I try to do this my own way? Like, is there any way I can do this that isn't dumb? Because when you look at this film at the most basic level, we have a cannibal movie where our protagonist or the person that we're empathizing with is not a person who doesn't want to get eaten by the cannibal. It's not like I'm running from the cannibal. I'm the person and oh my God, my girlfriend wants to right. eat me. There's no character like that that we're watching this movie through their point of view. We're watching it all through the point of view of the cannibal being like, I didn't really want to do this. So it's like really, I think, one of the only horror movies where you right, are completely with, in the head of the person who's capable of killing. Right. You know, you're in the head of the monster and being like, oh, I don't want to be this monster. How can I not be a monster? And it makes me kind of love this character that she chooses at every turn that she can trying to do a better thing. You know, it's like fighting your instinct. You know, maybe a part of it is finding the sense of self when you go to school or college because everyone there is using you as a as enjoyment. They have no vested interest in you. And they would want to watch you fight with your sister. They would want to watch you kind of bite at a cadaver. They would want to, you know, even when that guy gets his lip bit off, like it doesn't seem like they're trying to help the guy who got his lip bit off or do anything to her. It's like, oh my God, like it, everyone's kind of, it's not, this is, it's interesting because 
we're in a real world, but some of the scenes that we're seeing are straight up out of like Blade One. Like, you know, like when you go to like that party that Steven Dorf is at and there's like blood coming down from the ceiling and everyone's like showering in blood and then and all of a sudden they just like it's a, a free-for-all. It's like we're not in that world. This is not a, a world of cannibals. It's not a world of vampires. This is a world of college kids who are just being normal college kids who see something fucked up and like, nah, who cares? That's yeah. funny. That's interesting. And that's what made me think of Promising Young Woman in the sense that here's this video made of this moment where these guys are having sex with this woman, clearly raping her, but it's funny. It's funny. It's yeah. well, it's weird. It's like, and and you hold that moment because no one's there to help because no one, everyone's almost caught up in their own shit or not, or feeling out what's good, what's wrong, what's bad, what's whatever. And like, there's a, there's a moral adjustment that goes on, I think in college where you decide what you want to be and how you want to be. And maybe you do things in college that you will never do again, but that's the place where you experiment because you're out of the house. And I feel like that's really interesting is, is she's finding that moral adjustment. I think that parallel is actually perfect then with promising young woman, because yeah, you have this like pivot point video Yeah, that is absolutely horrifying, you know, of seeing a group of kids not stick up for one of their own who's getting hurt. Everybody laughing at the girl who's drunk like it's her own fault. And pretty much the exact same video here. You know, she's blackout drunk. She's being made fun of because her sister's sort of teasing her, dangling a corpse in front of her, telling her to act like a dog. You know, like this humiliating video that everybody's just sort of laughing at and, and making fun of her for that's so embarrassing. And in both cases, it's like the girl who's, you know, weak and vulnerable becomes the butt of the joke. And it's so terrifying because these are real things that happen. You know, there are so many girls who have been in this situation. And in a film of cannibals, it's almost one of the worst parts. Like this kind of real horror because we know that this is a real horror that exists. And what's fascinating when I think about it is like Promising Young Woman, it's a school full of doctors. Here it's a school full of veterinarians. These are both supposed to be young kids out to protect life. You know, we're not like at a school of like sadistic bankers. Right. It's not like a like a American psycho even. Yeah. That these are people in charge of of supposedly protecting life and they won't do it. You know, and there's that scene even in this movie which is like kind of weird like you're you're that that debate when they're all sitting down at the cafeteria and they're talking about monkey sexuality. Like, right, can you yeah. have sex with a monkey? Wait, is like, it rape? Yeah. If you have sex with a monkey, is it rape? Does the monkey suffer like like? Well, it's I mean, I guess the idea is like if you eat human flesh or, or animal flesh, is it cannibalism? Like, you know, it's like, you know, I mean, that's kind of like the same well, yeah, idea, like if right? If you're eating a monkey, is it cannibalism? I mean, or are you eating a cow? Yeah. You know, it's it like, I mean, like, it, like these are living creatures. Like, why do we determine that this is less than that? Yeah. But in that scene, like, she's the one who's, like, sticking up the most for animals, right? Right. She's like, it is rape. A monkey does suffer. Right. You know, the monkey does have awareness. And it actually makes her more of an outcast at that table. Because a woman, uh, another girl's like, oh, so you think monkeys are basically like women. Right. You're like, as in it's demeaning to humans. And that... Because she kind of cares more about animals, people think it makes her less human. Right, because she's not buying into the norm. Animals are not people, so it doesn't really matter. And this whole movie is she's acting out of the norm and people aren't buying into that. So the idea of like, well, who sets these rules, these boundaries of what is right and what is wrong? Yeah. And, and obviously, you know, we know murder is wrong. But what's the distinction between why an animal doesn't feel something versus a human 
and whatever relationship a, an animal might have with its family. Like, why do we, you know, why do we treat dogs in a certain way, but we treat other animals in a different way? There's, there's a lot of, what are the rules here? Now, I think yeah. part of college is questioning that. Do I believe in God? Am I, what do I believe in marriage? Am I, am I living the life that I want to? Like, there's a lot of big questions that get asked and a lot of wrestling around with this. Like, what do I want to be and who, you know, so in, in many ways, I see this like, as being like a catch-all because it's also the most shocking and, and like get out or anything else. Like if you put a big idea into a scary package, you can still give out the vomit bag and go, oh my God, it's the scariest, grossest movie. And everyone's like, oh, it's, it's like a saw. And it's, a, it's, it's demeaning to do it to the movie because there's so much more there. But I think sometimes the best horror can get out a bigger point of view. And I think we talked about that with Te- Texas Chainsaw Massacre, whether or not it was incredibly intentional, but this idea of like the working class kind of being overtaken by the people coming back from Vietnam and not wanting to do that kind of work. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of, societal commentary in this movie and it's not yeah. just about like a cannibal movie no i think you're right like now that we're talking about it more this comparison between humans and animals comes up constantly actually now yeah. that i think about it like even when they go to that gas station to eat the shawarma yeah there's that gas there's the driver there who kind of shows up and I, I think they're sort of teasing him or like her yeah. roommate's kind of teasing him a little bit roommate adrian's just so great by the way but that guy comes over to them and he's like you know, pigs are basically as good as humans. Like, pigs are like humans. And he tries to make them feel a little bad for mocking him or, like, he thinks that they're, they're being snobby. Yeah. And he gives them that little lecture, like, you know, by the way, school's good. Like, you're lucky. That I don't know. There's this whole world, I well, think, in but, him of, like, other options that, that could happen to you if you don't value your choices. But isn't – aren't they making fun of him for, like, basically, like, fucking prostitutes at, like, a truck stop? Yeah. Like, right? So it's like, who's to determine that that's even bad? Exactly. Right, like I mean, like who, like everyone's judging everyone else's life choice because it's different than her own, and then yeah. he feels guilty because society doesn't accept him for that. Like you can see her having that same conversation later. On. Like you know, everyone is everyone is kind of being judged by somebody else. This whole movie is about that kind of yeah. judgment, and this idea of like a fraternity is putting everyone in one bucket and saying we all believe this. Yeah, you are uniform. Yes, we're going to, we all have our entry, like we all went through this thing. And it's like, it's about kind of creating a conformity within a, a world where every choice is open in a weird, in a weird way. And if you have been in a fraternity or sorority, amazing. But I'm just, I'm going to say that it seems to me like what this is saying is something like that might restrict you from finding out who you truly are because yeah. it so quickly puts you in a box to say we are all the same and we are now we can be safe as a group instead of scary as an individual it, it makes me think of what i hated about burning man to be honest mm. you know which um like what i when i went there were really kind of like made it miserable for me was realizing that there's a certain way you're supposed to rebel you know, and like yeah. women are supposed to rebel by walking around with our tits out and by giving hugs to any man who asks us. Like that was really kind of the vibe of right. Burning Man. And if you don't like show a lot of skin and hug people, you're not being playa friendly. So this place of self-expression is really a place where women are just supposed to go along and say yes to anything somebody wants of them, which I found so fucking re- repugnant once yeah. I was there because you were you were considered uptight 
if you didn't want to just hug a random person all the time. And you're not right. a, like, and the boundaries are so broken. Right. And it's like, yeah, the boundaries are considered bad at Burning Man. Or at least, the, I mean, this, right. this, this no, no, is no, actually like, saying, very, like this no, is pre-me too, so yeah, maybe no, the no, no. very different now. No, but, but, by, like, by the way, but I think that there are, I think what you're saying is, is very true. It's like, well, no, but here it's different, but here it's, you know, it's like, like, yeah. you know, and, and that's there's something where freedom, quote unquote, always feels like repression, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think it's like whenever you break from the rules of whatever society that you are in, and I think it can be, you know, obviously we've seen some extreme ways that that has happened in the last, you know, handful of years. Um, but let's talk about more about like the, like a certain workplace culture. Well, this is how it is here. This workplace culture, this is what's accepted. This is what we don't comment on. This is, you know, you talk about that with Weinstein worked in many ways. And, and besides the, what Harvey was doing behind closed doors, there is a mentality and there is a way of, this is how we act as a unit, right? And it's sort of like, we don't question. And then all of a sudden, once one person does, all of these stories kind of come yeah. out like, oh, wait, this, I, right, right. And it's oh, like it's what so we funny. choose ourselves to look at and what we avoid because we're in this, we have blinders on, like horses, yeah. we have blinders on. And I was just thinking, there's that movie, The Assistant. Did you see The Assistant? Oh, yeah, I love that movie. I love that movie too. And like um, Julia Garner, who plays like that assistant veiled at like Harvey Weinstein's yeah. company, you could swap her character in with Justine here at certain bits. And they're almost yeah. kind of similar women, like being plunged into this whole corporate culture, school culture, madness yeah. culture. And what does a timid person do to get by? What I find really telling about Raw and about having like Julia DeCorno behind the camera is that she has an eye for all of these things that women themselves kind of put them through mm-hmm. that seem horrific when you really look at them closely. Right. You know, and she, she includes them here. Like there's that scene where Justine is throwing up in the bathroom and she's throwing up like hair. She's been like nervously oh, eating her hair. It's absolutely, so absolutely gross. But to me, the punchline of that scene is she gets out of this like shared bathroom after vomiting and there's a girl there who just looks like kind of sweet and normal. She's got a little headband and she just gives, she thinks she's bulimic. Like you can tell that she right, thinks yeah, that Justine right. is bulimic and being bulimic in this world, it would be normal. Like a girl throwing up because she wants to be skinny actually now seems normal to this girl with the headband from the way she's smiling at her. And she just gives her the sweetest little smile as though like this kind of vomiting is sanctioned in this world. And right. isn't that creepy? It's, a, yeah, it's another group that, I'm looking for someone to validate. Yes, I'm okay here too. I mean, it's, and I think what I'm trying to break down is like, it can be right or wrong. Like your group can be, we are activists and we do this and we do that and we do this and we are, and and, and not to say that that group is wrong, but it, we act a certain way in this group. And if you don't do that in this group, you, we don't want you in this group. Like very few groups hold in people that don't fit the mold of the group. And then, and you're always kind of finding the group that you connect with and and you can have multiple groups, but there's a certain behavior that you make in certain groups, you know, and that you could say that for your family, you re, you behave a certain way with your family than you do with your friends. And, you know, and the way I behave with like the parents of my kids' classmates who I've just meeting for the first time, like you're, you're putting on certain airs of normalcy or, 
you know, like we want to make everybody feel safe and who are we really? What are the things that we really want to do? What are the things we really want to say? But we are, we just are, we live in a whole society of rules that people make. And you may find different people to accept you for those rules. But if you step out of line of those rules, people will most likely come at you. Well, yeah. And everything like that makes this film so unsettling, I think, isn't necessarily the cannonball horror because there's not that much cannibalism we're really watching. Yeah. But it's the fact that in pretty much every scene, Julia Ducono comes with a way of showing people breaking yet another taboo, you know, starting yet another transgression. Everything, even if it's just like her sister teaching her how to pee standing up. Yeah. Like every single scene is about finding something that we consider to be a rule that you don't break and her figuring out how to just break it. You know, and and sometimes it's funny. She tries to pee standing up and she winds up peeing on herself and it's kind of gross, but then her sister's really bonding with her and there's yeah. this touch of like intimacy to it too. And that idea of like their bond at the center of being these two people kind of like tearing through the world and breaking rules together. Or her sister yeah. really wants them to break rules together. And she's well, her sister wants that, her to be her. Yeah. But not her. Like, or you know, it's like not her, like herself. her too for being like the good one, right? Well, I think her sister wants her to be like her by showing her what she's missing out on. But that doesn't mean that she was missing out on everything. Like, like we're not all the same, right? Like, because she had this eye opening. She's like, well, then you clearly would have this eye opening. I don't know if that's, you know, and that's, and, and I think some people, look, we all try to do it. You watch this movie, watch this book, read this thing, do this diet, we'll do this workout. Come with me here. Like, you know, we, we want to share the things that we feel like help us, but it, it's not a one size fits all. No, it never is. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better, too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. I mean, I think this brings us really well to the bikini waxing. Oh, yeah. You know, kind of like the centerpiece. I will say, at that TIFF screening where the people collapsed, the person I saw collapsed collapsed at the bikini waxing scene, which I love because I love that this is like the scene that is maybe the most horrific in the film. And it's also the one that is happening right now. Like right now, wherever you are, somebody is getting their pubic hair ripped out by wax. Oof. And it's happening again. And it's probably happening Right, right now, now, right here, right now, uh, like that is happening yeah. constantly. But to see a bikini wax on screen, it's rough. in close up, that makes you immediately comfortable when you have that quick shot of the dog being like, "What's happening over here?" And you zoom into oh. her crotch, you're like, "Oh my god!" I, it is the look, most. Look, I was upset the minute I saw thing. the the potatoes in the beginning. I'm like, "What's happening here?" I don't even know. I couldn't even look at that. <laughs> I, I was like, "I, I even look, couldn't even." I knew you that something was happening. The white soft mashed nope, potatoes. Nope, I could not. I didn't want to see any of it. But yeah, sorry, I didn't want to derail. You're afraid of potatoes. I just didn't know what was going to be happening in this movie, and I, I, I like, I, I didn't trust the goddamn. If thing. I postmated potatoes to the studio, would I mean, you I would nervous? eat potatoes. No, but it's like, but it's not in the. It, it was watching the movie. Like everything about this movie made me unnerved from the moment one. You I know? hope the next time you eat potatoes, you think about this. Well, okay, but look at this. 
we've watched a chest waxing scene in 40 year old virgin a true like that was not cgi that was real that all happened and that's very very funny and like that's you know, it's done for comedy and it's violent, but it's, you know, this movie has a tenor and a weight to it that like that scene, you put that in a funnier movie. That's a funny scene, you know, what I mean, is it? I don't know. But go <laughs> ahead. Yeah, sorry. Well, I just think that it is and fascinating. There's another scene in here where it's like stuff that happens to ordinary women is what gives this movie the tour. You yes. know, puking, having people videotape you when you're drunk and not feeling safe at parties. Um Making out with, like, guys and everybody kind of hooting and hollering and yelling at you. That, like, idea of the yellow and blue yeah. making green. So freaky. I also want to know how they shot that scene. Like, did they did they have to repaint them more than once? The actor who was painted, ugh. It's Oof. fascinating. It's yeah. fascinating. But really, then, this climactic bikini wax scene, which, again, I will say is probably happening, right? Now. Yeah. No. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Okay. I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm oh, not, I'm not grossed. So I'm, no, I'm not grossed out about yeah. a bikini wax. That, that doesn't buy. I'm grossed out about thinking about that movie's yeah. well, bikini wax. Yeah, well, let's talk about how they film it so well. Okay. Right? Like, how do they make it so agonizing to watch? Like, what set, what was going through your head when the scene came At out? this point, we've already seen a lot of things that are upsetting, right? So. You've seen some real chicken eating. Yeah, you've yeah, seen you've, you've seen. Um, you've seen her put a burger patty in her pocket, which is like especially gross for some reason. And I just it's like think that, that you're, you're watching. Yeah, you're. Uh, I think burger. she's eating hair at that point, or no? This before yeah, she's, hair. Yeah, she's eating. Like it's. I think you see the dog. You see her in a, in a defenseless position. You like defenseless. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. an interesting word. Okay, yeah. Like I feel like she's in this position. The dog is free roaming. You don't know what's going on. You see that something gets stuck. You're like, oh, what's going on here? You see this close up. You see the skin pull, and that that is something that like you know just seeing it and just and and it yeah. getting like it doesn't look right. It looks like bubble gum is like pulling oh. up this hair. It's, and it's like, like that tactile horror we were talking about. Yeah, the more tactile it is, the more terrifying. You know, it feels like it's you have gum in your hair. It feels like this kind of trap moment, and so. Anything is on the table to happen. Like, you know, like I think that's that's what caught me up. Like to me, the reveal of her, of her sister's finger getting cut off is like the least tr- like freaky thing about that. I mean, it's disgusting. I'm like, oh, but it, but like it's the leading up to that. And I don't even and that's not even that's not what I'm even thinking is going to happen. So like I'm thinking about a million other things that are going to happen that it's not going to be that. And then it is that. And it's that. And then it's that. And then there is. That scene, just where that scene goes, you have the dog still being really gross. It's like an it's an insistent dog. What's his name? Quickie. Yeah. Quickie just like licking up the sister's blood Mm. from the floor. Mm. And to me, just this like amazing performance from Grant. She's like studying the finger. She's looking at the finger. You have like two minutes to realize what she's really thinking. And is she going to do it? And is she going to taste her sister's finger? How... How she's staring at it. And then I love the music that's happening in the background. You know, that sensitive music that we were hearing at the beginning when she's an innocent girl. Picture this child. She's looking at this finger. She finally puts her tongue on it, and you just hear the music shift.
you know, one thing that I, that Julia seems to always make happen to her actresses is they always wind up with blood on their nose. No matter what is happening, they wind up in blood, not in like kind of artistic, vampiric ways. Oh, this one little delicate trickle leaving from my mouth. Oh, I'll just clean it like a little cat and now I'm beautiful. They always wind up with blood just everywhere, like mm. in an uncontrollable feasting fashion. And then she has this little finger, and all I could think of the last time I watched it was that she's eating it like Tom Hanks eats the tiny corn on the cob and big. Uh, she's just chewing on the little finger joints. Ooh. Oh, you look miserable, and I love it. No, I'm I just, so like, glad you like, look miserable, and I get to be here to watch. No, it's just it's like it's it's so like yeah, it's a gr- I mean that's a gruesome scene. It's a gruesome scene, Amy. Yeah, and she gets caught by her sister, which is so funny. And then her sister has her back, man. Like, mm-hmm. isn't that, that's touching? That her sister right, lies like, and says the dog ate it. Yeah. I mean, she's her sister's like, I, I mean, she sees herself and she's, it's the, we don't know this at this point, but that she wants, like, yes, you now are one of me. Like, that's what she wants. Yeah. She almost seems proud of her, right? Like I yeah. lost my finger, but I gained a cannibal sister. Yeah. I guess. I guess. But then there's that whole conversation again, where you're actually getting like a person related to an animal, where there's that veiled conversation I think with her dad, where her dad is like, well, yeah, we have to get, have kill the dog. You know, like yeah. any animal that has tasted flesh has to be put down. Which is interesting because then when you when you know what happens later, it's like, but he doesn't believe that with his wife. Oh, yeah, he's lying. Well, he, he, doesn't, to, yeah. he doesn't see the difference. Like, Wait, what's the difference? But he would never have his wife put down. But why not? Because of love, are you saying this no, movie's no, about love? But what? But what is a dog? You don't love a dog the same way you love a human. Like, why not? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm asking the same questions that this movie asks, which is like, you know, it's like, why does? Why do we go? Oh, a dog can't control himself like a human can, but his wife can't control herself. Hmm. Wait, I'm I'm confused. Are you team dog here? Do you want the dog to live? No, I'm just team. There's hypocrisy in in the way that we view things. It's like oh, the, team hypocrisy. Yeah, I mean, like I, I think that the, I think that there's like, a, or I should say, I'm team double standard. Uh, like, you know, I think there's a double standard here for you know whoever makes the rules is an unfair uh, rule maker. Uh, you know, there's something about that that like that's why I think that line is there. But you didn't put down your wife. You're not gonna put down your wife. You're gonna let your wife do this other thing. Why is that cool? I know, bro. And then doesn't it seem like she's bro. the one who actually dissects the dog later, right? Like there's a scene afterwards where she's dissecting just a row of dogs. I don't think it's that dog. You don't think it's that dog? I think because you, you kind of see like that dog again later. You get like, the sheet falls off the dog. If it's, it is that dog later, then that's fine. But I, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's, I don't think it's that same dog. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, imagine if she like did. Well, she wouldn't find the bones in there because she has the bones. Did she eat the bones? Ugh, okay, I can't get into this. <laughs> Why can't you get into this? Is it because I don't of like Sergeant it. Meeple? I don't like it. Like I could talk about no, I could talk about all the movie, but I like this. The getting into the nitty gritty of like those scenes again. I want to erase them. Do you think Sergeant my... Meatball would eat blood? I don't know. He's not that kind of dog, but maybe he is. I don't know. I, who am I to judge? Who am I to judge? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I keep wondering watching this film is you have all of these other kids in the background. That we never really get to know, you know? And in a way, actually, I think when uh, Julia first wrote the script, the character of the older sister was actually just supposed to be another classmate. You know, then she was like, oh, if I make this a sister, I can add to these dynamics. I can show more of a bond between them right away. But she was supposed to be just kind of like a popular girl, older mm-hmm. girl who kind of ran her through the ropes. But I like to imagine that this Hell Week at Vegetarian School is pretty much as bad for every other student. 
just in a different way. They're all living some kind of hellish life of not sleeping, of being hungover, of peer pressure to do stuff they didn't necessarily want to do. All of them are being made to crawl like animals. Right. It seems terrible just flat out. And I love the idea that there's so many stories happening in the background that we'll never know. Like that, I would love for there to be, and I was there too, of all of these extras. Right. Because I feel like they show up again. I feel like if you kind of trace faces, you're like, oh, it's that guy. You see the guy she bites in the background a few times. Yeah. Well, I mean, this movie is universal. Everybody's first week of college is, or maybe not, maybe I would say a, a large amount of people's first couple of months of college are really intense. And, you know, it's about whether it's regulating the way you study, the way that you party, the way that you meet, hook up, don't hook up, whatever you do, you make these big choices and it, and it does affect you. And you maybe not be ready. Maybe you're not ready for it. Maybe the idea is like, she's going to school early. Like this, I guess this week is like, yes, everyone's going through this. The reason why this movie resonates and, and, and connects is because if you did it the other way, it's, you know, a beautiful coming of age story about you know, it's her first week at college, which I think would be a very good movie in the right hands. You know, like that, like people could tell that story really well. I mean, the only, the only other student that we really get to know is her roommate, right? Adrian. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Adrian, too, is like living his own film where he's the central character. Yeah. Right? Like, he's shown up at college. We all do. We get a sense that he's able to, like, you know, be more open with his own sexuality yeah. than he was at home. Like, he's there, and he immediately gets to, like, getting busy, like, having sex with people, like, being, I think, a hero on the soccer field. Like, he gets yeah. to have his own life. He even, I think, is, like, breaking his own rules in his story. Like, at one point, I think there's, like, a little bit of a comment that he's eating pork, which maybe he's not supposed right. to because you get his family is Muslim. Yeah. And... And the, I think the film becomes, like, really slowly, increasingly obsessed with him, too. Because it's not like you see Adrian for the first time and you're like, who's that guy? I want to know right. more about him. You know, sometimes characters enter the film and it's like time seems to sl- stop and they walk slower. Maybe there's a smoke yeah, machine yeah. behind them. Like, he doesn't get that kind of introduction. But it grows on you, you know? You finally start to really look at him, I think, for the first time when he is playing soccer. And I appreciate that this film has characters that kind of worm into your heart very slowly. Right. The way that their relationship is kind of building as she gets to know him better. I mean, they film him like a literal snack, right? Yeah. The way that he's playing soccer. The camera is just like staring at his pectorals, just like watching his pectorals run back and forth. And then, and then they bone. Like, what do you make of the sex scene? It, the movie has this like energy of sexuality through it. So I think you really, besides like the hooking up, like you felt like there was something more there than she wasn't like, I don't think she was watching him to eat him. I, like, But this is like the. I think she feels something. I think she feels something. I think she feels a lot of things, right? Like, and, and it's sort of like a, a big mix, you know, I don't think that she's like hunting him, right? Proven by the way that she acts in that scene because she understands she's, she almost. But I say that she likes him enough not to do that. She just did it to this other guy she didn't know, bit his lip like a second before, you know. So she comes in here and doesn't do that and is almost proud of herself. Like, I didn't do that. And then, Yeah, you I know, bit myself instead. Yeah. I mean, he is like telling her to stop and she is saying no. But she's just, I mean, she's like wild in that scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a crazy scene. It's a really like, I mean, this movie is, 
it's all the desires, the, the, you know, you said kink earlier and I don't think that that's wrong, but I also think it's a sort of like who we are when no one's watching. Right. And that, and sex is part of that too, you know? Well then if we are who we are when no one's watching, does that mean this mirror song with like this rap song mm-hmm. is the most her? By the way, I really encourage anybody to look up this rap song and translate the lyrics in French. They're so vile. They're uh, just truly vile. I was watching with subtitles. It's right there. It pops up on the screen. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, maybe who she wants to be. And the, again, I think it's like, yeah. you know, it's to me, it's like, let's do like a, um, what's that uh, that series like where it's like they come back like every 10, 15 years. That's like, seven up. Yeah, seven up. Like, you know, like where is she again? Like we only are seeing this one week. Yeah. So- this is not indicative of who she is or who she will be. Nobody's first week at college is. But Although you can be scarred in ways that don't leave. Exactly. Yeah. Promising young woman. Yeah. Um, and. Well, actually, you know, there's that line, actually, when she's talking about the monkeys being raped, where someone says, you know, like, they're talking about self-awareness and that, you know, that things are self-aware when they look in the mirror. And that is exactly kind of what she's doing there. She's staring at herself in a mirror. And it feels like she's becoming aware of the power she could wield if she wants it. You know? But does she want to? Like, it? she doesn't right. seem sure. And maybe maybe that's what I like about this movie is, like, she doesn't yet make a call. Because, like, how do you know in one mo- lesson, like, one night at a party, like, this is who I right. shall be forevermore. Like, I think there is a murkiness here right. where she's fighting, like, nine emotions at the same time. Like, she probably wouldn't have had sex with her roommate if he wasn't watching porn and high. You, you know, know th- like, yeah, it, it, you know what I'm thinking not, about, it's too? It's all little, uh, it's all sloppy. I'm thinking about uh, another round. Oh, yeah. You know, and that idea, too, of, like, well, I can just do a little and that will be okay. And how that kind of brings into their life and how every one of those characters kind of finds their own footing and some don't. And that's essentially what this movie is doing too. Again, we'll take away the big giant concept of the cannibalism. Cause I think that that is just, I think that that's just a covering of, of a more interesting idea. Um, but I think that that's what it is, right? That's a very similar, very similar story. I think so. I mean, you know, in a, in, a, yeah, in no. a way where it's sort of like, we're going to do this for a little while and then we'll see. And every, everyone reacts yeah. to it differently. The sister's one version, the mom's another version. The, yeah. You know, like we just don't know. We don't have enough to see where else it goes. No, you're right. But the I mean, we have like the sense that this is like an exhausting way to live. Like when the when when Hell Week at Vegetarian School ends and they blow that horn, you see all of her classmates like walk out and they kind of look like zombies. Like, yeah, it's like they enter as cattle. And they, like, finished as zombies during that zombie shuffle. Yeah. And she drinks, oh, my God, where she, like, wakes up and she drinks all of that water because she's so hungover. That's that's another one of those scenes where it's just like, oh, I've been there. I've been there. Been I there. have totally been there. And it for as extreme as this movie gets, I think it's like that you've been here, you understand, you empathize. Like, is it crazy to say that empathy is one of the main drivers of this movie? It has to be because we've all been through it on some level. We've all lived this 
story, not eating people, but we've all made mistakes. We've all like, we can see it. I think it's a much easier thing to see when you walk away from it than when you are watching it. Cause I think when you're watching, you're like, Oh God, oh, what the fuck am I? You know, I think there's like that. I think, but this is a movie that I think wants you to talk about. And I understand like why you started off the episode by saying, let's not focus on the barf bags. Let's not focus on the people who passed out. Yes. The images in this movie are rough. And I think this is not the type of movie that I like to watch. Um, but you can block it enough for yourself. You can watch it in a way that, you know, I think you can still get what you need to get. Um, I mean, honestly, when you take it all the way back, kind of the core element of Raw is basically like the core element of the existence of people on Earth, right? This is like a crazy analogy that I'm just thinking no, of now, but I, let me see if I can make the case. I mean, the Bible opens up with a story of a woman making the wrong decision to eat an apple. A woman eats the wrong thing and all hell breaks loose and all humanity is now formed in the way that it is and original sin happens. And this idea of like monitoring like what women eat, did they eat the wrong thing? Are they pure? Have they eaten a bite that will now cause trauma to exist on this planet forever? But it does feel like so much of it comes down to what do women put in their bodies? Like women's bodies being uncontrollable. Yes, I definitely think there is something in this movie that can be incredibly feminist and, and and I think it is, but I wouldn't even narrow it down that small too. Cause I think it's about, it's about everyone. Now I think the difference might be men don't get judged as harshly for the decisions and mistakes that they may make in that way that women do. And I think when you see the sister go away to jail for what she did, which is killing. And we have to just take it away for a second and go, I'm not talking about killing. I'm just talking about like doing something that she really regrets and that would have some consequences. She, her life is over and yeah. done. And we're talking about other people and there's other things that maybe are going on there as well. So yes. So I, I, I definitely buy that. No, you're, but I hear what you're saying. And I actually agree too, because I think that this film is female, but I wouldn't say it's only female. Right. Right. It does feel like so much deeper and more universal than that. Like it it feels like it's just about horror and change and groups and ins and outs. And and there is like a female point of view, but it doesn't right. feel like it doesn't feel like I'm going to pretend to be a feminist movie because women are stabbing people. Well, like that, that kind yes. of nonsense. I think people feel more comfortable judging and also being protective of female bodies discovering sex. Mm -hmm. You know, I mm -hmm. think there's a lot more like shame and judgment and lust and leering that happens. I think it's a, a lot more potent. So maybe that's part of it. Like I think having this happen to a girl makes almost invites the audience to judge her more. Right. And then allows us to stick up for her more and too. like there's, it's just, it's just more loaded. I think when you make this film about a woman, even though I think it is really universal in its scope. I guess what I'm doing is I'm just trying to like not make this, not limit Julia. I don't want to say that Julia DeCorno makes films that are feminist and only for women. Like, yeah. I don't think that's what this is. I just think it happens to be very female. And I love it about that. I think it's a very fair point. Now I can imagine that the, we've just sat here and talked for a long period of time about what this movie means without really talking at length about what we saw in the movie, right? Like we talked about it in very general ways. And I can imagine that when people reviewed this movie or saw this movie, that they only really saw it for what they saw. 
what they saw on screen. Cause it like, there is something brutal about this movie and, and, and completely visceral and unnerving and would make you want to pass out. And the imagery is really hard. So how did people react to it? They pretty much liked it a lot. Okay. Uh, with a few exceptions. One of the notable exceptions is Anthony Lane from The New Yorker. Okay. And this is what he writes. What kind of parents dropping their child off at college for the first time stop to point out the hospital and the morgue? Hmm. Um, Still to come in raw by the French director Julie DeCorno is the obligation to eat a rabbit's kidney and the tipping of blood from on high onto the massed ranks of freshmen. The The drenching is an update of Carrie, and the response from Justine is no less extreme. It makes telekinesis look like a party trick. Raw is preceded by its reputation. Murky reports from the film festivals where it has shown tell of swoonings, walkouts, and throwing up, and you can see why. The nominees for Justine's ickiest scene include her waxing, her hair chewing, her rash scratching, and there's a sigh of relief when she and her gay roommate in the course of their studies settle down to an ordinary dissection of a dog. The curious thing is that with as many big-budget horror flicks, this small French-Belgian movie feels too pleased with its own outrage. The grosser it gets, the less interesting it becomes. When the carnage was over, I went out and had a steak. But Mm. he did say, he has a compliment here, that what what does impress him about the film is the lead actresses, that uh, Garance Marier is shy and industrious, that Ella Rumpf is aggressive and shrugging, and that he doesn't just admire the valor in which they they tackle the gruesome stuff, he admires their portrait of sisterly love. And he says, whether they're drunk or sober, hanging out or lashing out, the loyalty is palpable. And DuCorno finds space in her movies for interactions that most male directors would barely notice. There you go. But he really, I think he thought that it was, there's too much blood for it to have as much meaning as people thought. I think he was turned off by the gore. Well, I would argue that um, there's something really interesting about Get Out. You know, Get Out is a kind of a perfect example of a movie that was able to give you everything that you wanted from a horror, but it didn't obscure the the message. And I think sometimes if you go so much into the horror idea or visuals that you might, people might start to discount it. I think even with Texas Chainsaw, we found that a little bit too. Well, yeah. I mean, I wonder if what's happening is we have this base level grouping, right? Right. I mean, if we're talking about groups, we're like, Movies where there's a lot of blood and people are crying and people die, those are like schlocky genre movies. They're right. there to be fun. They're there to entertain us. They're there to be gross. They're not there to be deep. And we put movies with a lot of blood in them into like a certain box. I think it's yeah. like the rare movie with a lot of blood that kind of breaks out. You are like occasional Silence of the Lambs. American Psycho got terrible reviews yeah. when it came out. Similar reasons. I think we, I think we have to doubly fight to respect a movie with a lot of blood in it. And especially blood to this extent, you know? Yeah. Because this movie is very, 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 very bloody. I mean, Anthony Lane is right. Like, I think there is kind of that direct nod to Carrie when all of the kids get drenched in blood, you know? Yeah. And that's that to me is a movie that has, like, managed to elevate and be like, I can be gross and I can be about crazy things happening to kids. And you will still have to take me seriously, which I respect. I think there's another movie in here that she, like, deliberately nods to as well that's also really similar that also was like considered repellent and shocking. And then we've come around to it and that's a clockwork orange. Mm. And I was thinking about it specifically in the second party scene, you know, the one where she's like, where people are licking eyeballs and she drinks a giant glass of vodka. Like you find her in that movie sitting in the corner, looking like a crazy 
pervert, you know? And she's sitting looking like like Alex, right? you know, in a clockwork one. She's looking totally drooged out. I think her knees are apart. She's staring at the camera. Yeah, yeah. And it feels to me like a direct lineage. Like she is his great, great niece or something. Yeah. Showing up in this movie to break the limits and show us how fucked up culture has gotten. Yeah. But again, to fuck up culture, you have to make people angry when you see it the first right. time. Or you have to make them uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, I think, is worse than anger. Because yeah. uncomfortable people don't know how to feel about it. Well, we're talking about movies like you think about movies like kids. You remember that uh, Harmony Corinne film, too? It's like whenever we put kids in a movie, I think it just it brings up so much more. And it, it brings and the older that you are... Uh, the more you might feel a certain way or, or, you know, that isn't the way it happens. You could see it even with euphoria. Like we are fascinated by the show. Like are, are people really doing this? And that's a show where there's no cannibalism, but there's, no. like, oh, but, and you know, you talk to young kids and kids are like, what the fuck that, that show is like nothing. I don't, that, to me, I don't I, euphoria that feels like a show made by a guy who didn't get invited to cool parties yeah, and he exactly, wants to imagine yeah. what they were like. I feel the same. Um, well, okay. But then let me ask you yes. this to bring it back around. We started our horror series with a movie about, a young girl vomiting uncontrollably and doing horrendous things and mm. being completely gross and disgressive. Had no control of her body. Had no control of her body. Do you think that Justine is as much a victim as poor little Regan in in The Exorcist? Absolutely. Uh, the only the only reason why I would give Regan more like latitude is that she is. <laughs> even younger and just, like there, there's like, Oh, like there's a thought of me going like, Oh, it's seemingly worse for someone that young to go through something as horrific as that. Uh, but I mean, that's a very small, uh, you know, we're talking about a very small gap here. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't like, if you're saying to me, like, was it, well, she shouldn't eat in the thing. If she didn't want to eat the thing, she shouldn't eat in the thing. I don't think that that's, I, I think she was forced to eat the thing. I think she was strong on what she wanted to do. And, and, and that's, you know, she was made to, to do this, <laughs> Fair enough. but I would also give her, I would also give her more love because it feels to me that she has more control. She actually was able to get over it without uh, somebody yeah. else coming in. But we're talking about the devil versus cannibalism. You know, look a lot, a lot on the you table. Know, here. She's basically like. If the hitchhiker brother from Texas Chainsaw was like, what if I don't want to do this anymore? I just want to <laughs> smoke weed and be cool. Right? Hey, look, I mean, <laughs> and look, and that's another movie that we're making. Again, people, we're giving you great ideas for movies. Get on it. So now, Amy, I guess the question becomes, do we send Raw to space? Now, you've seen Titan. I have not. Uh, many people I've talked to also have said that they have heard of people passing out. I I was unfortunately, uh, someone revealed to me a very core concept of the film, which I was like, okay, interesting. Um, but that one seems to be the one that right now is um, is garnering a little bit more uh, yeah. attention. I mean, mainstream to win the attention. palm, to yeah. win the palm is crazy. Uh, so would you send Raw to space? Right now, I think Raw is a strong contender mm -hmm. for space. Titan is even wilder and messier. Titan is a movie that the whole time I was watching and I was like, I don't think I like this as much as Raw. What's happening? I don't think I like this movie as much as Raw at all. I'm more shocked. I'm more horrified. I want to die. I want to die this whole time. And then at the end, like three days later, I was like, oh, that movie is really beautiful. Oh, interesting. So Titan is a whole mess of things. It's a whole kettle of motor oil. All right. So I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I don't think we should put uh, Raw into space. Not because I didn't enjoy it. I think this director is amazing. And I think this movie is really good. I don't know if this is, if this 
is jumping up to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm being harsher on on horror. I loved it. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was really well done. I'm not 100% positive. And I'm sure that people would say, well, you put Ganja and Hess there. I did. I did. But we'll see. But again, at the same time, I let's see where I am in a couple of weeks because it stuck with me all weekend. And it, these are the movies that tend to kind of get in my head a little bit more. I don't know. Well, I've already cursed you to think about it when you eat mashed potatoes. That will be fine. As long as I'm not watching the movie, it's fine. I'm not going to, I won't have that much. Just a father opening up his shirt. Oh, God. Well, <laughs> let's maybe get to a, a horror that's a little less visual and a little bit more imagined. Um, you know, what we don't see maybe is more scary than what we do see. And that's why we are going to revisit a, a classic and another film that caused people to puke in the theater, but for very different reasons, The Blair Witch Project, the shaky cam horror movie. That was the one takeaway that many people, or at least when I was going to see it in the theater, that Cloverfield, it was like, oh, you're going to get nauseous. It's going to make you, you puke. So um, I think we're probably over that now, uh, but I'm excited to watch it. I've only seen it once. Oh, really? In the theater, yeah. <gasps> Oh, I saw this in the movie theater and I had to run to my car afterwards. I was so terrified. Oh my gosh. Oh, I cannot. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. All right. Next All right. week, The Blair Witch Project. Ooh, I like it. This is my home, which I am leaving the comforts of for the weekend to explore the Blair Witch. I can see you. I'm real excited about this. Thank you for I'm the opportunity. I'm very glad. This area's been haunted. By that old woman. Oh, yeah. I don't know why you have to have every conversation on video. Because we're making a documentary. Not about us getting lost. We're making a documentary about a witch. We're I don't. Lost? Admit that first. No, I know we're not lost. You're all over the place. But how do we know it was people? Well, even if it wasn't, I'm not going to play with that either. And it's all because of me that we're here now. <laughs> Hungry. And cold. And hunted. I just want to apologize to Mike's mom and Josh's mom and my mom. Tell me where you are, Josh! That's all for today's show. And remember to rate and review this show. Tell people about it. It really, truly helps. A big thank you to our super producer, Josh Richmond, and our audio engineer extraordinaire, Devin Bryant. Thank you guys for making this show sound so amazingly great. And our MVP behind the scenes, Molly Reynolds, for making sure that this show runs on time and that we have our research at hand. I also want to give a shout out to Kim Troxell for her amazing art. And if you want to keep this conversation going, please do so at discord.gg slash Paul Shear. There's an unspooled section there where we have debates and votes and polls. We also have our Facebook group, the Unspooled Podcast Facebook group that is still an amazing place to be. I want to give a huge uh, shout out to everyone in all those forums for keeping these conversations going. And I also want to let you know that you can head on over to tpublic.com to check out our Unspooled merch. That's right. Go to tpublic.com slash stores slash Unspooled to see what we got in the store. And that's all. We'll see you next week on Unspooled.
you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.